What's up, Saints fans? Welcome to another episode of Inside the Pylons. I'm your host, Marcelo Unda. It's a sad day in New Orleans, but the show must go on. Saints traveled to LA and lost to the LA Rams 27-9. The big story on this one is the injury to Drew Brees' thumb. It's turned out he had to have surgery and it's going to look like he's going to miss anywhere uh, six to eight weeks. And uh, now it's time for the Drew Brees era with the Saints to end and see where we are as a team without him. Uh, I think a lot a lot of people were expecting this to happen. However, I think they did not expect it to happen this soon. Um, now, Teddy Bridgewater did come in for most of the game. He uh, didn't play very well, went 17 for 30, 165 yards, uh, had two sacks for a loss 16. Um, and you could tell during that game, we lost a lot of momentum, weren't able to put up any offensive points. It was close. They kept The defense kept it close for as long as they can. Uh, but during that second half, really, the Rams defense really showed out how perennial uh, and the type of caliber team they are uh, in the NFL. And we're able to basically hold our offense uh, to zero. Or I guess I should, should, they did score three points the second half. But... Uh, basically show all the flaws. Our offensive line stunk. Uh, we couldn't get any rhythm with our wide receivers, drop balls. Running game was non-existent. And that would, it, it also brought some concerns up moving forward for the rest of the season. Now, you go, you start off, um, well, moving forward after this game, you have the Seahawks. You traveled to Seattle. The Saints did stay on the West Coast while they make this West Coast trip. And you have to face Seattle in Seattle, where historically they are very good at home, and the Saints haven't played very well at Seattle. And now you have, when you come back, the Dallas Cowboys, who look amazing on offense and one of the top premier teams in the NFC and also the NFL. So now you're going to have to rely heavily on your head coach, which is Sean Payton, uh, your defensive playmakers, or I should say your your other captains, whether it be on offense and defense. So uh, looking at Cam Jordan, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, all those guys are going to step up. Everyone's going to have to be accountable. And I think it's this, the Saints have done a very good job building a team and have built a team to get us to the NFC Championship. It's It's just that we've been led by Drew Brees to get us to that point. Now, this is the reason why they brought in Teddy Bridgewater a couple years ago for trading him in, to get him in, is to have an insurance plan, and in the event if anything were to ever happen to Drew Brees, is that they felt comfortable that Teddy Bridgewater can run the offense and get us to where we're trying to be if for any reason something happened to Drew Brees. That moment is here now. It's like, you know, we were hoping it never happened. That's the thing with insurance. It's a product that you always have to have that you hope that you never have to use. So um, now it's I think the as a mentality as a as a football team they're going to have to adjust and they're going to have to come to terms of where they are and try to fight through this adversity. And um, this game against the Seahawks is as most important as any other game moving forward with this rest of the season because one it's another NFC opponent. If we lose this game, you're going to be two games down in the NFC, being down one and two, 
and then also having to go on with the rest of the season uh, behind the eight ball as far as a conference record. The focus now is going to have to make the adjustments with the offense that is tailored to Teddy Bridgewater's strengths, whether it be checkdowns, getting the ball out to uh, the flats, or getting the ball out quickly. I feel like with Teddy Bridgewater, he stays in the pocket. He's very timid, looks very scared, doesn't want to take any risk and throw in the deep ball. In order for the, this team to, to uh, for us to get wins, there are going to have to be times where he's going to have to throw that deep ball down the field. One, to put us in scoring position, and two, to, to get us, you know, if we're down and behind, we got to get back into the game. And that's going to be very important um, during the converse, during the preparation this week of him getting realizing that you know he there may be times he may have to take a shot or you know use his legs roll out and run to get to extend the play. Now a lot of people have been felt that they've seen enough of Teddy Bridgewater. They want to see Taysom Hill or at least have see him get some opportunities. You know it was I don't know how they how they divvy up snaps during practice during the week. So it's unfair to say that maybe Taysom wouldn't have had any preparation to get ready for that game. I mean, Taysom Hill is all over the field playing tight end, special teams, wide receiver. I mean, and so there's no telling if he was even taking any snaps to be prepared for that game. So I think it was fair to make sure that Teddy, you know, to let Teddy finish the game to see what he can do. I mean, obviously it was, you know, not credit to him to go out there and try to try to perform. Now he has a full week of preparation, knowing that he's the guy and he and he gets all the first team snaps. Get into a rhythm, building relationship, or I should say, building some rapport through all the players, the rest of the team, um, to make sure that they can move the ball offensively. And I think that Sean Payton, what he'll do is create a game plan that fits for this team, knowing that Drew Brees is not the one who's commanding it. So I don't foresee us being throwing the ball as aggressively as we are, especially um, trying to get points. Now, I do feel that we will see a lot more of the power run game or maybe some more of Latavius Murray uh, as far as getting carries uh, to help, you know, extend drives and allow the offense to keep the ball, especially to limit the other offensive team that we're playing against to have the ball so that way we can control the clock and control the time possession. Now, I do think that Michael Thomas does benefit with Teddy Bridgewater with the intermediate passing game. Uh, he was targeted quite a few times. Um, now, I don't know necessarily that it's the, it's the downfield play, whether or not that Teddy Bridgewater will launch it out there and let him make a play downfield. That's what's going to be so important um, with trying to get first downs as well as trying to get us in the position to score points. That's what's going to be important. Some other things, some other takeaways I had from the game, or at least some notes here. Um, and I'll start off with Jared Cook. You know, I had some concerns with Jared Cook in this game. Obviously, he caused the interception early on in the first series. Um, not holding on to the football, you could, I mean, he really needs to hold on to it. He did get hit, to, he did take a hit. You know, obviously, that's a pretty hard hit that he took, but he doesn't need to hang on to it. He went two for seven um, on his targets. Having seven targets, two, I'm only catching two. You know, you really want to see that number be up higher, maybe four for seven, five for seven would have been very nice. I know it was probably 
There was one that was double cover. Maybe that you know you could tip your hat off to the defense. But when you're on the field 68% of the time, you want to be able to have production. Another stat I noticed was Ted Ginn. He didn't have a target at all this game. He was on the field 60% of the time. Uh, I'm not sure if he was nursing an injury or if it just it just wasn't he wasn't involved with the game plan. I feel that it's important to get the receiving core, knowing that Keith Kirkwood is out, Traquan Smith is banged up. He's been he he's been um, he hasn't practiced this week, and so I think Ted Ginn involvement is very important, especially. He, I feel like Drew Brees would always look for him if he needed a first down or if he needed to get some extra yards to extend, uh, especially on a like on a first and twenty or something like that, first and long or second and long. Uh, and so I do, I do expect Ted. I want to see Ted Ginn's involvement. I do think that he's a very viable option in this offense. Um, so preparing for this next week's game, it's at Seattle. Seahawks are favored by four points. Uh, the biggest concerns to me um, is the defensive line, being that the fact that the Rams' defensive line ate up our offensive line. In the last episode, I was expl- uh, praising our offensive line of how good they were protecting Drew Brees. Now, they only sacked Teddy Bridgewater twice. Drew Brees never got sacked, so, but there was a lot of penalties. There was a lot of uh, you know false starts, holdings, things of that nature, and it really affected the the timing and us to be able to extend drives. So I feel like it's going to be important for our offensive line to perform at an outstanding level, and also in an, in a hostile environment. One of the the issues playing in Seattle is for so for it being so loud is the offensive line being coherent and being consistent that they're all flowing at the same pace. Um, no one's jumping off sides. And then when the ball is snapped, they're all, sna- I guess, moving at the same time. And so you don't want to be late and causing the, the sack to get to the quarterback. And also the fact that they have Jadavi and Clowney from Houston. We avoided him in week one, but now it's our turn to face him in week three. So I do – it. If they can prepare correctly, I think that the, our offensive line can be be able to outplay their defensive front. Uh, so that should be, you know, as far, but that has to be addressed. And it's going to be tough being on the road. Hopefully they are able to do that this week. Um, the other matchups I'm looking at is Seahawks wide receivers versus our secondary. DK Metcalf is a large, he's uh, a very big, powerful athlete. Good wide receivers, got great hands, may not be able to run, uh, you know, execute his routes uh, or cut very easily. But this guy's big body, he can throw it up there. He can come down with it. He's very athletic. And our, how our secondary matches up, again, Tyler Lockett, he's going to be a stretch wide receiver. He's going to stretch the field. I have a feeling we're going to be expecting another 50-plus yard play, you know, the 20-yard-plus plays that – that kill us and you can even point out in the first two games you had the Brandon Cooks play last week the week before you had Will Fuller there it it occurs so many it occurs so much throughout the season with these players hopefully that the secondary communication is correctly and that Marcus Williams being that he is the safety back there is watching that and protecting and providing additional help to his to his corners because P.J. Williams and Marshawn Lattimore, they're getting beat, and it's happening, and our safety play has to be better. Our, our secondary as a whole unit has to be better. And 
Champagne even advised or you know suggested that there that the film on tape was going to be it was going to be or a lot of players are going to have to be accountable based on the play that they had last week. So I feel like if it occurs again, you could expect some changes to occur uh, within all positions on across the uh, the fifty man roster, not just in the secondary. But those those two players, they I feel like yes, I know that DK Metcalf is not one of the premier elite wide receivers. Marshawn has done very well. I do expect Metcalf to have a couple big plays to help them extend some drives. Um, and then I have a feeling that Tyler Lockett's gonna blow is gonna blow one through you know is gonna blow one right past everybody and, and have a touchdown. Um, now. The other biggest concern is Russell Wilson. This is how I see this game going down. It's a the Seahawks are four point favorite. I have a feeling that this game is going to be close throughout the whole time. I think our defense is going to show up. I think our offense is going to be fine, and we may not be able to get and score as many points. Maybe we get to. I have a feeling it's going to be like it's going to be like a a seventeen fourteen game going in with like two minutes left, and Russell Wilson basically is going to have the ball last. And he's, it's gonna be like it's gonna be a defensive game. It's gonna be a run, a, a ground and pound game on both sides of the football. And then for some reason, Russell Wilson has a one of those miracle fourth quarter Russell Wilson days where he just starts launching it, and they win twenty. They win twenty four seventeen. It's kind of how I see it. It's gonna be. It's gonna come down to Russell Wilson at the very end, and he's gonna come out and win a game for him. Um, Unless that we can create turnovers, Chris Carson is a guy who's been having some fumbling issues. Um, perhaps we can get a strip, another strip sack fumble and maybe not get called back on us. Maybe we can get score some points uh, on the defensive side of the ball, which would be really nice. You know, our defensive front has been playing very well, getting to the quarterback. We got and sacked Jared Groff three times. Uh, we we hit and we got to Desha- Deshaun Watson six times. I don't I don't know how good the uh, Seahawks offensive line is, but if my memory serves me correctly, they're not very good. So Hendrickson, Davenport, and Cam Jordan should have a day. Um, hopefully that you know we're able to sep- keep the game and hold the lead if we have a lead and refrain from Russell Wilson having some sort of Russell Wilson type game because uh, that's something that I wouldn't want to happen. Uh, let's see. And so talking about the defensive front line, uh, they've been showing that Sheldon Rankins has been limited in practice each and every day. He was the same last week. I don't foresee him starting this week. Uh, I would say that it's a 20% chance. I think he's coming along very well. Um, I would think that maybe in the next, I'm not sure maybe if next week he comes or, but I think progressively it's been, it's showing that he's been practicing, that he's healing from the Achilles injury from last year. And, um, it should be exciting to have him back. I think that I think the the front and I think it'll really improve our run game, or I should say, our run defensive, our defensive run. However, that you would word that would be would perform better. And I think all around, everyone really appreciates Sheldon Rankins as a teammate and the um, the charisma he brings, especially when he's playing in the pass rush too. He does he's very effective with that. So uh, it's going to be exciting whenever he gets back. I'm gonna. Kind of go back on the quarterback play with Teddy Bridgewater and Taysom Hill. Um, a lot of people, like I mentioned, a lot of people were already calling for Taysom Hill after these, after seeing Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, I don't believe that Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, actually, I take that back. Right now, Teddy Bridgewater 
is on, he's, he's proven the fact that, yes, you know, you guys brought me in to be the backup. I uh, signed the contract you know, as a free agent to stay with you guys because I, I felt comfortable with y'all as a coaching staff and the system to be in and be a part of this team and possibly uh, become the new leader of the Saints moving forward after Drew Brees leaves. And, you know, uh, so, I, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, he is an athlete. He is a competitor. I'm sure, you know, he's willing – He's he will be prepared and be wanting to, you know, perform well so that way he can secure his future here in New Orleans. Um, so that lays me to the Taysom Hill. How how soon do you think that Taysom Hill gets into this into uh, playing quarterback? Do I foresee them doing any quarterback uh, sharing time? Now, there may be some some packages for Taysom Hill just to, to keep the Seahawks uh, defense honest. So um, I do feel like that. But as far as taking the whole round or the whole uh, reins of the whole offense. I don't foresee that happening yet. I do think that if Teddy doesn't get it done, you know, Sean will, Sean Payton, Coach Payton will be able to, you know, give him the nod for Taysom Hill to get in there. Um, I think it's going to take at least two games, these next two games against the Seahawks and the Cowboys, because um, that would drop our record to one and three. We would be zero and three in the NFC, and then the fourth game would be, I believe that fourth game is the Bucks, maybe the Bears. It's either the Bucks, Bears, or uh, Jaguars. But I'm gonna say that it's gonna be, it's gonna be one of those, one of the three. Um, and I think that it'd be time for okay, we've that he's seen enough, and then it's gonna be time to okay, let's see what Taysom can do. Um, now let's say if we are able to steal game between those, okay, then we're at two and two, and then Teddy still the man, still manages to keep being the quarterback. Uh, it's gonna, re- but I think that um, he's gonna want to uh, at least give him a few a few shots there at quarterback to see how he's gonna do. But if if Teddy Bridgewater doesn't come out and he plays flat and he doesn't play up to the expectation, you can foresee Taysom Hill. You can't throw out Taysom Hill so quickly. One, because then at that point you're telling Teddy Bridgewater you're not going to be the quarterback of this team for this year or into the future. And then at that point you're going to have to decide at the offseason that, okay, is Taysom Hill going to be the quarterback? Because what if he doesn't do very well? Then at that point you're going to have to use – you're going to have to draft a quarterback in the draft. Um, so that's going to be the focus. So uh, I know a lot of people have been talking about trading for Jalen Ramsey – at this point, I don't think it's smart to trade away your first-round pick due to the fact that you may need that pick for a quarterback, for your franchise quarterback. And it's gonna. And if you let's say if it's a mid-round, let's say for some reason we finish seven and nine, then we may not be in the running to get one of those top elite quarterbacks, or we may be able to at least package something that where we can move up into the draft to get someone that we really look forward to. Um, that brings me up to my next or next topic here is. Uh, do you trade two first-rounders for Jalen Ramsey, who's requested a trade from the Jacksonville Jaguars? So I started thinking, okay, would I trade? Okay, so who are the two first-round picks that the Saints have drafted? So you go back. Last year they didn't have a first-round pick, but the year before that they traded up to get Marcus, Marcus Davenport. And then the year before that was Ryan Ramchek. Ryan Ramchek and Marshawn Lattimore were drafted in the first round together. So would you trade Ryan Ramchek our right tackle, and Marcus Davenport for Jalen Ramsey. 
Or you can even make the argument Marshawn Lattimore and Ryan Ramchek for Jalen Ramsey. As valuable as the Lattimore Ramchek, those both those players have been for both the, for the Saints since their arrival. I don't for I don't and I think that the importance of the offensive line value there holds so much. More I know I would agree that Jalen Ramsey is a better cornerback and more probably the better player out of the two or I'm sorry out of the three players. And but I feel that based on the needs of this for for the Saints that it'd be better to have both. Yeah, you may not have the A-plus talent at corner, but at least you have a a, B, a B-type player and an, an A-type player on the offensive line. Same goes if you did the scenario with Ryan Ramchek and Marcus Davenport. <clears throat> you have the you have an elite-level talent here on the offensive line. Marcus Davenport, he, he is it. He's big athlete. And, you know, he's obviously, you have to develop, you're going to have to, he's, he's still pretty raw, he was going to have to develop, we knew that getting him, the Saints knew that when they were trading up to get him, that they were going to have to um, improve his game, and that's, you know, on the coaching staff here for the New Orleans, and it looked like he played pretty well this game uh, against the Rams, I know he had a tough game against the Texans opening up the season, <clears throat> but I think that, you know, I don't think that you could give it up, or at least for this team. Now, there may be a team out there, the Chiefs. Um, I saw that Philadelphia was, was a team that was considering to trade him. Um, so I do, I do believe that Jalen Ramsey does get traded, uh, just being that it's it's over between them. They weren't going to sign him to a longer deal and that it's time for him to move on and maybe that, that way they can get some value back for him. So, um that's my take on it. I wouldn't trade. If I were the Saints, I wouldn't do it. Um, a couple more topics here, just kind of closing out. Um, a friend of mine reached out to me, you know, letting me know that, hey, December 16th, Saints play the Colts at home. It's the last, it's the last uh, home game, and it's possible it could be Drew Brees' final home game. And then it was like, wow, I never thought about it like that. It's a Monday night football game, so ESPN already – figure that one out that they were like hey let's go ahead and this could be Drew Brees' final game and hopefully you know he's back for it but man it would be it's going to be crazy that that could be his final game and the era with Drew Brees will be finally over if he decides to retire after this year and it's going to be in a, it's going to it's going to be in a different team and I think that's what Saints fans are going to have to realize is that Drew Brees is no longer a quarterback and that type of quarterback is far from not a Hall of Fame quarterback to come in, smash all these records, and perform at an elite level for so long. We've been we can't take that for granted. We have to appreciate what he's been able to accomplish here in New Orleans, and then continue our fandom with the New Orleans Saints after Drew Brees is gone, and that way we can continue our our legacy as Saints as the Saints football team or New Orleans football where where it's it's us versus everyone. Why not us? Why can't we compete for championship? And luckily that we were able to have the opportunity to have Drew Brees here where he was able to bring a championship to us and we were able to enjoy that run and, and even the years after that, you know, when we had good teams and we didn't quite make it to that to the promised land again. So we still have a chance I'm not panicking yet. 
It is. I am concerned moving forward because there's question marks on both sides of the football. But I think that as a team now, I think being that they are in they've been they've been in Washington or on the West Coast, you know, been able as a team being there together and realizing that hey, they're going to have to get themselves out of this. There's everybody else is playing football the same way that every week, just like them, and they have a shot here to. Um, show the rest of the league what they're really made of. And I have a feeling that, that that's I think they're up for that. I think a lot of, I think everyone in that building is is up for it. So um all right Saints all right. So last week I got to pull this out. I got to find my rankings list. I did my top 10 rankings. So I've made some adjustments here. All right, last week I was going to go over week 1 rankings. You had New England, Kansas City, New Orleans, Minnesota, Dallas. Those were my top five. Then you have the Rams, Chargers, Eagles, Seattle, and Baltimore. All right, here's my top 10 this week, being that there were some adjustments. New England, Kansas City, Dallas, Rams, Baltimore make my top five. New Orleans and Minnesota dropped down due to their loss. They technically, to my rankings, they did lose to um, top 10 teams. Now, Minnesota lost to Green Bay. I had them outside my top 10. I wasn't comfortable with that Bears win, but it was on the road, and it was to a good team who I had ranked pretty high. I just wanted to see them more, and they took care of business in Green Bay, which was awesome. So 6 to 10 is I have Green Bay, Seattle, New Orleans, San Francisco, and then Minnesota to bottom out my top 10. So um, had them fall down. And uh, let's see, I had the Chargers knocked out. I had Philly knocked out since Philly lost to Atlanta. They got pretty banged up, but man, it was an ugly game back and forth last Monday night. And Eagles could have took it away, could have stolen one in Atlanta, which would have been nice, being that it could have put Atlanta at 0-2 instead of 1-1. and Kept us afloat at the leaderboard um, in our division. And so uh, right now I have Houston, Chicago, Buffalo, who's another 2-0 and team. Oh, San Francisco, I wanted to mention this. San Francisco I have at 9. They're 2-0. and Yeah, they played. The, you, you can make the argument they played the Bengals. They played the Bucks. But I looked at their stats. They're 2-0, and so you have to give them some respect there. They're also top 10 in offense, and they're also top 10 in defense. So that's saying something in the first two weeks. And they have potential that, you know, you know, once it gets up there, you know, once if they start winning these, if they're, and I'm sorry, their front seven and their defense is legit. And I feel that, you know, they're going to be able to compete with the Los Angeles Rams and the Seattle Seahawks. So it's quite interesting that you have, it's one of the, I think one or two of those teams will finish out in the top 10 in the end of the year. So let's see which ones can survive that. Um, but yeah, so those are, that kind of runs up my top 10. Let me know what you guys think. And um, let's 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 uh, let's for this week for the Seattle. Um, let's see. So I mean, as far as with them, man, it's, I think that they can win this game on the road. Um, I do have concerns with Teddy Bridgewater. I do think that he. I I have confidence in Sean Payton, the coaching staff, and the rest of the, the team. I need to see it from Teddy, and I think that I. I do not expect Teddy. I, I just I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bet on this one where I until I see Teddy can prove me wrong. So um, 
I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna see how the team, the rest of the team, does. And I really think that if they can control the clock, create turnovers, and limit the big plays, the Saints can pull a win, get at, and come back home to New Orleans, where they host the Dallas Cowboys in a must-win situation. And, it, and you know that the Superdome is going to be rocking because New Orleans and Dallas they don't like each other, and it should be exciting for Dak Prescott to come into town and then see what we can do with him in our in the Superdome and see how he can play here. And that's all. And that's all I have for tonight. And and Saints fans, if you good luck and who that.